Welcome to Central Baptist Church of Livingston, Texas. We're glad that you've chosen to study God's Word with us today. We'd invite you to visit our website, centrallivingston.com, to learn more about our mission to preach, to teach, and to live the gospel for the glory of God. Now, open your Bible or your Bible app and study God's Word with us. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Great singing today. Wasn't it great to see this full stage worshiping the Lord along with all of us? It's good to, uh, to see them all worshiping with us and leading us today to the Lord. And man, certainly we have been with the Lord in the last few moments. Uh, and I want to go to the Lord in prayer today. And so if you want to come forward, you can pray with me here at the front. Um, you know, we're in the season right now of praying uh, as a congregation uh, we have been praying for a variety of different things this past week. We prayed for families, for our families. We prayed for the families of our church. Um, week one, we prayed for ourselves, right? We came to the Lord as individuals, and we prayed to the Lord as individuals. We're in the middle of this prayer guide that, uh, that I passed out two Sundays ago. I referenced it a Sunday a week ago called Unite. And uh, we are on uh, day 25 of, I'm sorry, September the 25th is the, the second week, the end of the second week of that, uh, of that prayer guide. And, you know, as we pray today, we're praying for parents and we're praying for our children. And so this morning I want to read um, just very quickly from Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is what it says. The Lord, when he spoke to Israel, he gave them the success to how to have a, a healthy family. And one of the ways in which he helped them to have a healthy family is he said this. He says, Hear, O Lord, or hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And those words or these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Begins with you. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign to your hand and they shall be a frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. God told his people way back then, he said, make my word central to your home. And listen, that's what God calls us to. Parenting is hard. I can attest to that. So let's pray for our parents this morning. Let's pray for, for our kids this morning. And let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer today. God, it has been good to be together once again on this Sunday morning. It is good to be, Lord, together as we pray, but Lord, also as we sing, as we worship you in spirit and in truth. We have been singing your truth to you. We have been singing your word back to you just a few moments ago. God, we have been singing it by the power and in your presence, the presence of your Holy Spirit that is here among us this morning. God, we know that we are a spiritual people. We're not just human beings here on earth, just gathering together to sing songs or to see each other. But Lord, we are united by the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit that lives in us all because of you, Lord Jesus, and your sacrifice on the cross. You went to the cross on our behalf because you knew we were broken and you knew we were sinners. And yet you still went to the cross for all of those, Lord, who've given their life to you today. We have hope. We have joy. We sing out of the outflow or the overflow of, of the power and the presence of you, almighty God, that lives inside of us. We were once far from you. We were once unrighteous. We were once cut off from you, but God, no longer. We are now in you. We are now been, we have been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we thank you this morning for the gift of worship, the gift of gathering together, the gift of your church here on earth. We also thank you for the gift of our homes and for our families. Father, we admit today that we are sinners and we are broken. God, we admit today that there are things in our life that need to change, that we need to turn back over to you. Maybe for some of us this morning, it means our hearts need to be turned to you fully and completely with our lives. But Lord, in our homes, we know we've made mistakes in our homes. God, for those of us in this room and all the parents that are in this room today, God, I pray for them. We pray collectively for one another that, Lord, we would um, pray for patience. We would pray for strength. We would pray for wisdom 
that we pray, God, that your hand would guide and direct each mom and dad. We pray for single parents in this room or who can hear our prayer today, God. We pray that your hand would be upon every single parent home, that your, parent, your hand would be upon every couple that is trying to raise children, that you would give them, Lord, what they need in order to speak your truth into the lives of our kids, our students. Father, we pray for our children and our students today, Lord, that your hand would be upon them. God, we know that our role as parents is to not exasperate our, our, our children, but to, tr- to raise them up in the training and the discipline of, of you. Father, we pray that, Lord, in the lives and relationships between parents and children in this room, that, God, you would bring healing. You would bring oneness. You would bring unity. That children and students would follow and obey the authority of God that you've put in their life. That parents would lead and train their their children and their students to love you. That's what we pray today, God. God, we give this time to you. We give this time in your word to you. We believe, Lord, that's important, as you just showed us in Deuteronomy chapter 6. We know your word is central to our homes. It's central to our church. And so, God, we just pray that we would respond well to it, that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, give us a heart that believes, and will follow you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you can return to your seats. It's good to be back with you. I missed you last Sunday, although it was good to sit with my family on a Sunday morning. That was encouraging. That was good. Um, but it was good to, uh, to have Ray Jones with us last weekend. I hope you enjoyed him. He was a, a blessing and encouragement to our uh, worship team over the course of the weekend. And then you got a, got a taste of, uh, of the uh, kind of the culmination, if you will, of the entire weekend last Sunday morning. It was good to, uh, to have him with us as our guest. And, um, but it's good to be back together, all fully together. Again, I said to you at the few, a few weeks ago that in the month of September, we are taking a few Sundays here in September to talk about some important matters, some important things as a church. Now, I've been here a little over a year. I came here in June of a year ago, um, felt a, and believed, and we all believed that it was a clear call upon our lives to come here. And uh, you've been more than gracious to us and loved us and uh, cared for us um, And so we have walked through an entire book of the Bible together, the book of Acts, and then here we are this morning. We're kind of in a season of transition. But there are some important conversations, if you will, important things that I believe God wants us to know and understand fully and clearly this morning. And so this morning, you see above my head, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. We're actually going to look at beginning in verse 16 through verse 20. But you see there above my head, it says 18 through 20. We're going to read in just a moment verses 16 through 20. Um, if I were to ask you a question, a simple question this morning as a church, as an individual, as a couple, why do we exist here at Central? What would you say? I'm not asking for things to be thrown out. But what would you say? There are a lot of different opinions about what the church is to be about. You see, collectively and as individuals, we're called to worship God as we've been doing, right? We've been doing that on Sunday morning. We are called as individuals, as families, and so forth. And, and everything we do in every walk of life, we're called to glorify God in everything we do, right? We're called to glorify God. That's the chief end of what we're called to do. But as the church, as the local church, what I want to say to us this morning is we learn and we can glean from the very clear words of Jesus to us to help us understand our marching orders, if you will. These are the final words of Jesus to his disciples, right? In Matthew 28, you can see there at the very end of the chapter, that's what this is. It's the very last few words there in the chapter. Jesus' final words were their marching orders. These 11 men who were held up there on that mountainside, watching and looking intently into the eyes of Jesus before he ascended back into heaven. He had come and done his work, and now he's going back. And these were his final words, and they were their marching orders. You see, what I, I, I think, and, and for many of us in the room, we've all been a part of local churches. I've been a part of many local churches. All of us have. And oftentimes, in local churches, we tend to grow 
and drift into complexity. What I mean by that is we start to do a thousand different things and we don't know why, exi- why we're really doing them. They're just really good to do these things, whether they're ministries or different directions we go in and you know, move in the direction of. We can oftentimes grow into complexity. I'll tell you what else we begin to do. Sometimes we begin to forget why we're here on this earth to begin with. Why did, jo- why did God s- create local churches everywhere? You see, the kingdom of God is on the move, right? When Jesus says in Mark chapter one, he says, behold, the kingdom of God has come. And then he tells those listeners in that moment, in that space, he says, confess your sin, repent and believe in the gospel. But the kingdom of God has come. When Jesus came, his kingdom started, his kingdom began to be on the march. And here's the thing, the disciples were at the heart, the disciples were at the forefront. They were the foundation for the church to happen. What do we learn in the book of Acts, right? When God came, the spirit of God came in Acts chapter two, it was the disciples who were there, it was the apostles who were there, and those who were praying there in the church was birthed in, in, in Acts chapter two. But it began with the work of Jesus. He's the cornerstone, if you will, of the church. There is no church, there is no life without Jesus. There is no reason to sing without Jesus. There's no reason to gather without Jesus. There's no reason to go to a Bible study on a Sunday morning. That's just self-help. If Jesus Christ has not done what he's done on the cross, you with me? We know that, we understand that. So his words matter here. And what we understand and what we glean here from these last few words of what Jesus is saying is that God is a plan. The, the, the church does not have to figure out why they're supposed to be here on earth, what they're called to do in whatever community they find themselves in. Whether it's a tree in the middle of Africa or in the jungles of, of Brazil or in Livingston, Texas. We all have the exact same plan. Do y'all, know, y'all realize that? God has given us all the exact same plan. We don't have to figure it out. We don't have to search for it. We don't have to come up with creative slogans to understand what it is. We just have to listen to the final words of Jesus and allow those words to be our first work in what we do as a church, in everything we do as a church. I mentioned a moment ago, we've got these, all these life experiences, right? All of us come from different walks of life. We all have preferences. We all have different churches we've been a part of. Some larger churches, some smaller churches, some churches that were really, really unhealthy. Some, of, some churches who had pastors that, that, that did, you know, make mistakes in the ministry or leaders who had mistakes in the ministry. Maybe you were hurt by whatever particular local church you were a part of. Someone said something to you, did something against you. Maybe it was a leader who was a poor leader. We all also come into the collection of the saints, if you will, of us this morning with all kinds of preferences, music styles. Uh, This is how we did it where we were. This is how it was when I did it where I was, how I grew up. There are those of us in the room, some in the room who are just becoming believers in Jesus Christ. They don't have any of that. And they're walking in here or they're here this morning and maybe you're here as a guest this morning and you're walking in here going, this is what church is supposed to be what I see with my eyes and what I hear with my ears. You don't have any background, no past. So we have all these life experiences, which makes the beauty of the local church so beautiful. Because how God can put all of us together and unite us around his Holy Spirit is amazing. We certainly don't see that in the government, do we? We will not see that in America, but we certainly should see it in the local church. We need clarity. The fact of the matter is we need clarity. A few weeks ago, Months ago, if you will, you may have noticed a change with me on the stage. You see these little glasses? These are readers. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm in my upper 40s now, right? And what happened is I went to the eye doctor. That was the mistake I made. (laughs) And I didn't realize what had happened was my vision had gotten worse and worse, but I didn't realize it because it was a gradual shift. And he fixed my eyes. And when he fixed my eyes, all of a sudden I looked at a book and I was like, I can't read that. It's frustrating, I gotta tell you. The fact of the matter is I had lost clarity. I'd lost clarity. And I think church, listen, churches can lose clarity. I think we as a congregation in, recent, in this recent season had lost clarity. Churches can become inward focused. Churches can become focused on their ministries or themselves, but not on why God has put us here. 
planted us right here in the middle of this town. We're going to look this morning at what that, look, what that means. We need to be reminded of who we follow. We need to be reminded of what we do. We need to be reminded of where we do it at. Now, this is the thing. We are more than just a gathering of people on a Sunday morning. We're more than that. We're more than just a gathering of people that come together on a Sunday morning and sing great music, worship together, and see our friends, and then go our separate ways to lunch. There's something bigger that we're a part of, something deeper that God wants to do in our lives, something more significant and meaningful in our lives. We have a mission. We have a mission as a church. I want you to look with me at the text. It says in Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 16, these are the words of Jesus. These are the words of God to us. It gives us a little bit of a background there in verse 16, right? Now the 11 disciples, it says, went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. So Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. We remember final moments in our life, don't we? We remember important moments in our life. I I remember when I was about five or six years old, when my father was called into the ministry and he left his career, resigned from his career, my mother as well, and we packed up what used to be Ryder, a little Ryder truck in Roanoke, Virginia. And I'll still remember sitting in the front seat with my dad and leaning forward and seeing a little girl waving to me. She was a friend about two doors down, waving to me as I was leaving. Never saw her again in my life. Going to Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, where we lived for four years. I remember those moments. I remember the day we got married, right? 24 years here in just a few weeks in October. 24 years. I remember, we remember those big moments, like the the moment that my first son was born. And then that moment when I drove away in college, seeing him in my rearview mirror. I remember that right? We remember those moments because their significance, they're burned into our, our hearts and our lives. They're burned into the things that we remember. Jesus' lasting impression, listen church, his lasting impression upon his disciples here, here are his final words. They are significant. They're significant. They're clear. They're concise. The disciples had an identity, they were, had an identity not in the bone on themselves, an identity in Jesus Christ. And here's here in the marching orders that Jesus gives to them, sets them on the course of where we are and why we even sit here this morning. So this morning, I want to just very simply and very clearly unpack these verses for us, help us understand what Jesus is saying to us about what it means to be Central Baptist Church and our mission here on earth for the rest of the time that God gives Central here on the planet until Jesus Christ comes again. We're going to talk this morning very clearly about who we follow. We're going to talk very clearly about what we do. And we're going to be very clear, Jesus is very clear to us, as to where we do it. First of all, I want you to notice very clearly what Jesus says. We belong to Jesus Christ. Uh, I belong, we belong to Jesus Christ as his church. You don't belong to me, we don't belong to you, or individual, or any season of life of members who are part of Central Baptist Church. We belong to Jesus Christ. We see a little background there in verse 16 and 17, right? What's happening here? Jesus has risen from the dead, and we have the 11 disciples, right? Because the 12th one had betrayed Jesus. So there's 11 left. They're in Galilee. They're on a mountainside. We got that much in verse 16. Verse 17, and when they saw Jesus, they worshiped and some doubted. There's some confusion there. There's some, they're not sure yet. There's some uncertainty, a little bit of uncertainty that we pick up there in that particular verse. But they worship him nonetheless. They're in dismay still about what Jesus Christ has done. He has already appeared to them. He has appeared to multiple people. In fact, if you look at the, 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 the New Testament, he's appeared to hundreds of people, eyewitness accounts. There are people who've said that they've seen Jesus very clearly. And here on the very last day before Jesus ascends into heaven, he has his 11 guys here that he has spent time with for three years, and he has their undivided attention. 
And notice what he says. Verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Uh, kind of a confusing statement, right? I mean, you know, hey guys, how are y'all doing today? No, it's all authority has heaven and on earth has been given to me. Why would he say that? The disciples certainly know who he is. The, the disciples certainly know that he has claimed to be the son of God. The disciples have seen and had, 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 had a front row seat to the miracles. They've had a front row seat to his teaching. They, they've had a front row seat to who he is and who he's claimed to be. So why would Jesus say that? Is he saying that now I have authority and that versus, versus when I was with you the last three years, everything I said wasn't authoritative? No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying everything in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In his risen state, God has changed it, has has given him this authority. He has authority in heaven and on earth. Let me give you an example of this. Paul, the apostle Paul, actually helps us understand this in Philippians chapter 2. It's in Philippians 2, great passage of scripture where it helps us understand what he's saying here, what Jesus is saying here. Why is the authority of Jesus so important? Well, it says in Philippians 2, verse 7 and 8, going back to verse 5, have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. And here, then he describes what Jesus did. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, Jesus emptied himself, by taking the form of a servant, that's a human being, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Why did Jesus come to earth? Was to go to the cross. The the sin in our lives, and what the Bible tells us very clearly is that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that that, that the wages of sin is death which required a sacrifice on our parts. But we can't undo our sin, right? So Jesus did it for us. Jesus came to earth. He came and he humbled himself. He took on the form of a man. He went to the cross and he dies on the cross. He dies for my sin. He he takes the place that I deserve on the cross and he humbles himself to do it. This is God in the flesh. That's what Paul says in Philippians 2. But, but, but there's, a, there's more verses here to the, to the story. Because then what Paul says is, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of, the Father, or glory of God the Father. What Jesus did is he humbles himself. He goes and takes on the form of a servant. He's treated like dirt he, you know, crown of thorns pressed into his head. He's whipped, he's beaten, he's scourged. He goes to the cross, he's nailed to the cross. He's bleeding out. He dies, he's buried, but God raises him from the dead. And when he raises him from the dead, he defeats death and he defeats sin on the cross and he defeats death from the grave. And what God the Father does is he highly exalts him. And in this risen state, going back here to Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, within his risen state, this is what Jesus has done. He has, in his risen state, been lifted up. He's been exalted. Now, he has authority in heaven and on earth. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Church, it's important for us to remember that because Jesus has all of the honor. He has all of the authority. He has all the honor, he has all the authority, and these guys need to know that. And we need to know that as a church, right? And and it's out of that, it's flowing out of that, that he's going to give his marching orders to the church. It's out of that that he's going to say, listen, this is what you do, and it's not optional. How How does that affect us, and how does that apply to us? Well, I'll tell you how his authority and us being under the authority of Jesus applies to us. It means that he now has the say so on everything we do, right? He he is the cornerstone of Central Baptist Church. You take away the authority of Jesus and we start to do our own thing and how we want to live our lives, God will bring this church to the ground. He's the cornerstone. It all hinges on him and on his authority, right? I'll tell you what else it does is because he has earned that honor, he has earned that authority, then... what he says in his word, it trumps 
all of our personal preferences. How we think things should be done in this way and that way and this and that, it, it just, it, it, it trumps all of it. What, what does the Lord want us to do, right? What does the Lord Jesus Christ want us to do? How did he teach us to think about certain things? How, how did he teach us to react to certain things? How did he teach us to live together and among each other, right? He's got all the honor. He's got all the authority. He's earned it. He did the work. We're not here apart from him. You with me? And therefore, we understand that, you know, when it comes to understanding who we are, well, we have a new identity. Our identity is in Jesus Christ, and we have this authority, or he has all of the authority in every respect. Our, or, or, you know, um, all authority, rather, belongs to Jesus because of that verse. Now, Jesus is who we follow. Now, what are we supposed to do as a church? Well, that's where he goes next. Look at verse 19 with me. And in verse 19, this is what he says. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, this is what we're called to do. We're disciples who make disciples. Well, what is a disciple? He told us disciples, he told us these guys at the time, go make disciples. The, the verb, the first verb in verse 19 is actually not go, it's as you go, make disciples. So the first verb, if you will, the, the directive, if you will, that we see there in these verses is make disciples. What is a disciple? It's a follower. That's what these guys are doing. They're following Jesus. That's why they're called disciples. What are we called to do? Well, he's telling these guys who are followers, hey, y'all who follow me, now go make followers of me. And it's very simple, it's very clear. This is what they're called to do. The end product of a disciple is someone who is devoted, someone who is a follower of Jesus Christ, someone who is growing in their faith, someone who's multiplying themselves and making disciples of others. That's what we wanna make. We wanna be growing as a people who then in turn make disciples of others, of Jesus Christ himself. Of course, that assumes that we are as disciples. For those of us in the room that have not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, what God wants for you in your life and first and foremost is to trust him, is to follow him with your life. And when you do, you become a follower of Jesus and then what does God want you to do? Make disciples. And then this is what God does. This is what Jesus says. Okay, you are my disciples here in Matthew 28. Then in turn, I want you to go make disciples. This is our invitation into the Christian community. Here it is. Here's how we make disciples. We share Christ. We share the life of Christ. This is how we make disciples. We share the life of Jesus himself. We've been given life, right? Therefore, we share that life with others. Notice what he says again in verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're to make disciples of Jesus Christ. They were to make disciples first, but here's the thing. Then they were to baptize people, right? Once they became followers of Jesus Christ, then they were baptized. What is baptism? It is a first act, public profession, first act of obedience of any disciple of Jesus Christ. It is the visible statement to anyone who is watching that I've become a follower of Jesus. It's the visible statement of that. And it's the first act of obedience. So when I give my life to Jesus, what does God say for me to do? Go get baptized. You find a local church that believes what the Bible says about baptism, and then you, they affirm that you're, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and then they're going to baptize you. That's the first act of obedience. When someone believes in Jesus, in order for someone to believe in Jesus, they have to have heard about Jesus. You with me? They have to have heard someone had to have told them about Jesus. And not just from a professional or a preacher on a stage, but, but the local church is made up of people, God's people, who are telling people about this life that you have in Jesus Christ. Once disciples learn, they share Jesus and influence other people. The greatest way that that happens is through you. It's not just through me, it's through you. It's through you just in your daily rhythms of life, sharing the good news of Jesus with others, pointing the male person to Jesus, pointing the person at the fast food place to Jesus, pointing your neighbor to Jesus, pointing uh, you know, um, people who are close friends of yours to Jesus Christ, pointing family members to Jesus Christ. 
disciples who are making disciples. We multiply ourselves. We multiply ourselves time and time again. That's personal evangelism. Think about what it says in Matt, or in, and rather in Acts chapter 2. Peter stands up and preaches this sermon. Why is the word of the gospel so important for people to hear? Well, it isn't you that changes the human heart. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ that changes the human heart. The word of God is what needs to get into the hearts and the minds of people. They need to hear the truth. I mean, this is what Peter says when he preaches this sermon. At the end of his sermon, they come to him because it says they were cut to the heart. And they say, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said, well, but repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God would come upon them in that moment. Listen, church, the motivating factor to share life, the life of Jesus with others, is always the brokenness of humanity. It's the brokenness of humanity. We want to know why our schools are the way they are. You know why as a teacher, you sit in front of a classroom with students that are just broken? You want to know why our nation is the way it is, our world is the way it is? You want to know why our communities are the way they are? You want to know why we have meth signs up in our city? Do you know why we have people walking the streets who are addicts in Polk County? You want to know why in Polk County we are one of the leading meth centers in the state of Texas? It's because of the brokenness and the lostness of humanity. And that's the motivation behind why we share life with people. We share life with couples. We share life with families. We share life with individuals. We pray and we share. We pray and we share. We pray and we share. We sow those seeds. Because we want so desperately for that person or that individual, that couple, that family, that student to know what I know to know your Jesus, right? And that's the motivating factor behind why we do what we do, why we share the life of Jesus. This is the heart of Jesus. This is why he's sharing it with his disciples. You're therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This commission is not just to share Jesus alone. Disciple-making involves also teaching them, doesn't it? Oh, this is the role of the local church in your life. It's to grow together not just grow in our relationships with each other, but to grow as disciples. Therefore, this is what Jesus says in verse 20. He says, after you make disciples of all nations, after you've baptized them, then you teach them to observe all that I have commanded. Jesus has commanded you. You teach them everything. Once a disciple is saved and baptized, then there should be an intentional and systematic approach to getting the word of God into their lives. I mean, when you become a baby Christian, you don't know what you're supposed to do, do you? I mean, those of you who are new Christians or newer believers in the last year, maybe in the last couple years, do you remember what it was like when you first became a Christian? You, you didn't know even how to open your Bible. I led this man to the Lord a couple years ago, two or three years ago, and this was this man, he's in his 70s, and he looks at me and he says, I just want to know one thing. Why is there this New Testament and this Old Testament? Like he'd never even opened a Bible before. We sometimes take that for granted, those of us who are raised in church. But do you remember what it was like before or when you first became a follower of Jesus? You didn't know how to do that. Right? When we're baby Christians, we don't know. When we're babies, babies don't know how to talk. They don't know how to walk. They don't know how to feed themselves. They don't know how to do all those things. The Bible describes us that way when we, begin, we follow Jesus with our hearts. We're, we might be 89, 90 years old, 95 years old, but we're still, we're now babies. Because all of my experience, all the things that I thought I knew about life has now been turned on its head. And now I'm just following this Jesus who I know nothing about. The Bible that I don't know anything about. I don't even know where to turn. I don't even know what chapter I'm supposed to read, what book I'm supposed to read, where I'm supposed to go next. It's this massive book. Am I supposed to read it like a novel? Am I supposed to just open up to one section or this section? I don't understand even how to pronounce that name. What am I supposed to do now? This is why we need to help people grow. 
This is why we need to grow. And this was God's intention all along. Churches have dropped the ball on this year after year because we do, we make disciples and followers of Jesus and then we don't ever disciple them. We never come alongside them. There's no systematic approach to, to teach men how to be godly men, teach women how to be godly women, how to teach parents how to, to parent their children, teach students and children how to walk with Jesus first and foremost, and then to understand what the Bible says and bringing it to bear in every area of your life so that you can walk faithfully with him. But what he says here in verse 20 is he says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Meaning, not just the easy parts of the Bible. We're supposed to know and understand and study at least the hard parts of the Bible. This is why I love when you come to Central Baptist and you get to know me and those of you who've been with me now for the greater part of the year, this is why I'm such a big proponent of walking through books of the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Because here's the thing. If I preach a sermon on this stage and it really highly offends you, guess what? You can't just blame me for picking you out. As I'm walking through chapter by chapter, book by book, through books of the Bible. It also trains me not to go around hard parts, but to preach through them. And to try to bring to bear in your life what God's word says. I think it's important for those of you who are teachers, when you teach the Bible on Sunday mornings, when you teach the Bible in small groups throughout the week, this is what you are to do. You pray, you prepare, you, 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 you minister through the word in teaching God's people his word. We want to be committed to teaching truth, not just information, not just filling your head with knowledge, but knowledge that leads to transformation. In other words, as a church, we ought to, you know, as time is going on, look at your life, and your life is changed. I see a noticeable spiritual difference in your life today than I saw five years ago, or three years ago, or two years ago, because you're walking, you're growing, you're becoming more and more like Jesus. That should be our aim. That should be what we're focused on, whether it's children's ministry, students, adults, you name it. In everything we do, we ought to be teaching God's word at every level, seeing and teaching for transformation. Whether we're in the preaching ministry of this church or in teaching ministry or in our ministries, we ought to be focused on being a, 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 a church that is rooted in the word of God, where he is, his word is being taught at every level of our church. So listen, we're to share Christ this is what we're called to do. Jesus taught us to share Christ. He taught us to, um, to teach his word. But then thirdly, I think we ought to pray well and pray often. I call it praying well and praying often. We could call it praying together. I want you to look at the last verse of what Jesus says. He says there in verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you and check out this promise on the back end, that last words that Jesus gives to his, to his disciples. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. I think the way in which we access the presence and the power of God in our lives daily is through prayer. Prayer as individuals, pray as a church. Jesus said to his disciples over in John chapter 14, listen to these verses. Um, he says, these things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. For the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. He will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I, 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 peace I leave with you and peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let your, them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you will have rege we rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I, and now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. What Jesus did when he left is he left the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God now lives inside of us. The power and the presence of God living in us, empowering and equipping us and, and to do the work that God wants us to do, empowering our worship services, empowering what we do as in our ministries, empowering at every level what we are called to do. 
We pray well and we pray often. This is how we access the power and the presence of God. This is why in the month of September, in these least few weeks, we are spending time praying, and this is the goal, praying the same things as a congregation towards the same God for 30 days. Because when we move towards God, church, listen, he moves towards us. When you move towards him with your marriage, he will move towards you. When you move towards him in your own life, he moves towards you. He doesn't run away from you. He doesn't turn a blind eye to you. He comes towards you. He moves in that space. He wants to be worshiped. He wants to be sought after. He wants to be obeyed. He wants to be asked, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to parent? What kind of job do you want me to have? What do you want me to do with the time that I have left here on earth? God, what do you want? That's what brings glory to his name. And this is what God calls us to and how we make disciples, right? We, we share the life of Jesus. We teach the truth of Jesus. We, we pray well and we pray often. That means individually. That means in your Bible study classes. That means corporately when we come together, we pray. That means in your homes. It's the heart of making disciples. We share the life of Jesus. Then we teach the word of God to each other. We grow together. We pray together in every way. Finally, this is what Jesus says. I don't want you to miss it. There is who we follow, there is what we do, but then there is where we do it. Do you notice what Jesus says in verse 18 and 19? He says, all authority has been in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of where? Where? All nations. All nations. That's actually a Greek word. It's ethne. You ever heard the word ethnic group? ethnicity. It's the Greek word ethne. And that phrase there is ta ethne, all nations. And what Jesus is saying here is, listen, he wants us to take him, his life, and share that life with others and make disciples of all nations. That begins locally, and then it spreads globally. So we make disciples locally and globally. Remember back in Acts chapter 1, verse 8? Jesus says, you know, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He was giving them the map. He was laying out the map for where they were supposed to take the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations. (laughs) I want you to know this morning that when God looks at us, he doesn't see, when I say us, I mean the United States. When I say us, I mean the world. God does not look at the world in terms of geopolitical boundaries. He doesn't look at the United States. God does not look at um, uh, any nation across Africa. He doesn't look at Russia. He doesn't look at Ukraine. He, he doesn't look at Brazil or Germany or any of these countries. Here's what, how God looks at the world today. He sees the tapestry of ethnic groups of ethnicities that he has created. To date, we have just under 12,000 ethnic groups that we know of exist on the planet today. I I love world maps. One of my majors in college was geography, so I'm a map guy. I'm really into maps and all of that kind of thing. But, you know, when, when I look at maps and the beauty of a map, I look at that map from my perspective, but God doesn't look at that map from that perspective. He sees the almost 12,000 people groups, and he knows where every group is. Some live here, some live here, but they're part of the same people group. And they're spread out all across the world today. Almost 12,000 people groups. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Think about that's how God looks at the nations today. So when Jesus is saying here to his disciples, go therefore make disciples of all nations, he's not saying go make disciples of, you know, of, uh, of France. No, he's saying go make disciples of all of the people groups in France. He's saying make disciples of all the people groups in the United States of America. Right? Where do we begin? We begin right here. This is why I believe firmly that You know, what God calls us here to do as a church, since we've existed, since the late 1800s, Central Baptist Church has sat here in Livingston, Texas. His mission has never, ever wavered. It's never changed. Oh, all styles have changed, haven't they? 
but his mission hasn't changed. The reality is here in Livingston, Polk County, you know how many people live within a one-mile radius of where you're sitting right, right now? 2,334 uh, 2, people. One mile in every direction. 2,334 people. You know how many households are within one mile of this church? 904 households. I'm not going to have a raise a hand, show of hands, but how many of you live within a one-mile radius of this church? It's going to be very few. 2,334 people live within a one-mile radius of Central Baptist Church. You know how many people live within a 20-minute drive? Most of you drove about 20, 25 minutes to get here this morning. You know how many people drove or live within a 20, 25-minute drive of our campus? 41,421 people. 41,421 people live within a 20-minute drive of Central Baptist Church. What a mission field God's given us. So where do we take the gospel? Where do we do this? We do this locally, right? We, we, we want to have a strategy, a, a way in which we're going to reach the one mile. We want to reach the 20-minute mark, right, of our congregation first and foremost, then God says, not only locally, but globally. Then God wants us to take, as we are thinking in terms of our Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, not only do we go locally, but also globally. Then we think and we pray towards, right, those close to 12,000 people groups across our planet. Well, how do we do that? How do we make disciples locally and globally? We've talked about a strategy here at our church where we pray. We also give to missions offerings throughout the year, right? But then we go. You know, as time goes on, as our church continues to grow and continues to develop and get healthier, God's going to continue, going to provide opportunities for us, not only locally, but also globally, to engage with what he's doing around the world. We want to be faithful at that. We want to be sending out mission teams from our church to reach the nations, to reach the 12,000, right, around the world. Listen, God's called us to be a people who are leading people who are far from him, to find, to live, and to share the life of Jesus. John 10.10 10 said to us and says to us, Jesus himself, as a thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, we see that. We know that in our own hearts, in our own lives, right? We also know it around our community and around the world as we see the brokenness of the world. But there's a promise on the back end of that verse, isn't there? As the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus says, I have come that they might have what? Life, life, and have that life abundantly. Jesus has promised to bring life into us. We experience that life at Central, week in and week out. We experience that life, and what God wants us to do is to not only live that life, but to share it with others. We have found it, we're living it, but we want to share it with others. And listen, church, that's what God wants for our lives. That is our mission. We need to be in the fight of continuing to build the kingdom. Building the kingdom, seeing people come to faith in Jesus, seeing marriages restored, seeing children and teenagers come to faith, seeing the destructive you know, patterns of behavior among, children, among families to change and turn back to God. We want to be a blessing to our community. We want to be a blessing to the world. We want to be a faithful church, a healthy church. And so listen, everything we do, everything we say, all of our ministries, their effectiveness of it, everything we do as a church, we want to evaluate it in light of the Great Commission because that's what this is. That's our marching orders. That's our mission. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. So our worship team is coming forward. They're going to lead us in a song. Listen, God wants us to, to pray. Ask him, how can we be a part of his mission? That's all God wants from you. All I'm asking you to do is just to be a part of that. And say, I want to be a part of fulfilling the mission of Christ through Central. I want to be a part of that. Church, we are, we are a part of something so bigger than us, so bigger than us.
it transcends our preferences. It transcends our upbringing. It transcends our broken lives from the past. Our, our lives in the past are the past. But God has you and I here in this moment, in this space. We have life, and we want to share that life with others through our ministries. We want to grow in that life. We want to experience that life and then share it with others. And he's brought so much into our lives. You know, I heard a phrase once, and I really believe it, that the, the light that shines the furthest shines the brightest at home. Shines the brightest at home. Man, Central, we want to be a church that shines bright in this community, in this county, in all of East Texas. That we would be a church that shines bright. We will reach far across this planet if we just seek the heart of God. So we're going to stand and sing and just pray and sing together. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And uh, listen, if you want to come and give your life to Jesus Christ, I'll be here at the front. If you want to come and join our church, you come and join Central. Start that process. If you want to come and just pray, happy to pray with you over any issue, or you can come and just pray here at the front. If you want to come and just tell me about some issue in your life you want to repent of, I'm happy to help you through that process, but you can take it directly to Jesus right there. Let me pray for us, and we'll stand and sing together in worship. God, thank you this morning for your goodness, your grace, your word, for your clarity, and how you give us clarity about who we are, who we're supposed to follow, what we're supposed to do, and where we're supposed to do it. Thank you for that clarity, that simplicity. Following you isn't easy at times, but you don't make it difficult or complicated. You simply tell us to follow you. And along the way, you give us grace and mercy to walk through difficult times and seasons. And so we give this time to you. We worship you now as we stand and sing. And Lord, for those of us in this room that need to make decisions today, that you would find us obedient and willing. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand and let's worship together. Thank you for tuning in to one of our services. We would love to invite you, if you're ever in the Livingston area, to worship with us. We're located at 503 Northeast Avenue in Livingston, Texas. Here at Central Baptist, we are an intergenerational body of baptized believers with a blended style of praise who value expositional preaching, meaningful membership, consistent discipleship across all ages, and a gospel emphasis both locally and globally. If you'd like more information about Central, please visit our website at centrallivingston.com. Once again, thank you and have a blessed day.